Welcome to Code Grays, an episode-by-episode recap of classic Grey's Anatomy. I'm Teresa Rosado, and I'm joined by Patrice Anthony to discuss Season 3, Episode 11, Part 1, Six Days. (laughs) Are we exclusively using air horns now since last week's episode? Yeah, yeah. Air horn sounds, not even an air horn, like, audio input. No, like our mouth air horns. (laughs) Beatboxers, we are not. (laughs) Or at least I'm not. Maybe Teresa has hidden talents. You know, we have a lot of of time to learn. That won't be one I'm learning. Quarantine projects. No need to embarrass myself. Beatboxing. I'm going to keep my quarantine projects to firmly in the realm of things I know how to do. Cooking. (laughs) <laughs> baking baking <laughs> leaving it to baking practice my ukulele keep it simple i like that we introduced this new this new um segment where we <laughs> read the opening monologue and right away immediately there is no opening monologue. i know <laughs> So they're like, listen, we'll give you a break. We know it's really hard to read. We know what you're going through. <laughs> neat, neat. Love to begin a, a new segment just to immediately have it torpedoed <laughs> by the show that we cover. <laughs> they planned it. They planned it Thanks, for guys. us. We probably could have planned better by looking ahead, but yes. we're yes. not future A little planners, bit of that apparently. could be on us. No. Definitely not. In this economy, no. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> Prepare. <laughs> I really like your pH sounds for the, yeah. for the air horn. <laughs> Anytime. Apparently six days is uh, a DJ. A Krista, a Krista Vernoff episode. Oh, yeah. Did you see uh, Twitter the other day? Yeah, she was writing, like, what monologues each characters would offer about the quarantine. Yeah. They were pretty good. I agree. Good. They were pretty good. <laughs> I was uh, I was into it. Now would be the time where we would, like, read one, but I didn't come prepared with it pulled Mm-mm. up, so. <laughs> Direct yourself to Twitter, dear users. We know that's where you're spending all your time. <laughs> this, is, this is a fun episode, um, a good to-be-continued episode. Although it's kind of weird that it's split into two episodes because there wasn't really like any sort of dramatic ending. No, not like any dramatic left ending. Me being and like, I felt oh like God, there was a lot of empty next? space. Yeah, in, it's a little bit weird. It came so it came January eleventh of two thousand seven. So it wasn't even like the mid season finale. It was after the mid season right. finale. It's very strange. I don't actually know why scheduling-wise this was a two-part episode, particularly given that we have another two-part episode coming up pretty soon in the same season. Anyway, that doesn't matter, probably. No. Sometimes I get in my head about production details. <laughs> why did you do this, Grace Anatomy? It's, yeah, I'm like, wait, walk me through it. What was the scheduling like? What was what, happening? What happened what was, there? What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Not I. But there, there are interesting <laughs> things going on, even though there's not a, a dramatic cliffhanger or sure. even I feel like a terrible lot going on because they have enough time for like a 30 second montage of just people blinking. 
Oh my God, Patrice. That was the most hysterical montage. I'm gonna I'm gonna record it and post it to Twitter, just that 30 second montage <laughs> from this episode. Nothing happens in no, it. No, it's just nothing looking changes. and blinking. Nothing happens. <laughs> just a lot of looking and blinking. That I think we're supposed it's to find so meaningful, funny. but it's really not. <laughs> it's really good. But all of that to come and more. Uh first we have to, I think we have to get like our quarantine segment out of the way. I th- just think it's important. We're human yes. beings in quarantine. How are you coping in quarantine over this past week that just happened? Uh, that felt like a year. I think I'm better than last week. Uh... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Better than last week is what I'll say. And today, my girlfriend made chocolate chip cookies, chocolate chip oatmeal cookies, inspired by Cassie's chocolate chip oatmeal cookies. And I will say, sorry, Cass, that Amber's were better. Ooh. They're really good. It is a King Arthur recipe, f There's only one way for me to find out, Patrice, and that's if you drop some on my I'm sorry. I will be eating literally all of these cookies on my own it might actually be hard for amber to get any cookies for herself because i'm not a big sweets person but like cookies are my jam i will eat an entire package of break and bake cookies on my own i will bake them i will break them i will bake them and i will eat all fucking 12 cookies in one sitting and then i'll feel terrible absolutely but it's okay so <laughs> not so terrible that you won't repeat it again in the near of future. Of course. <laughs> so yeah, this week, better than last week, full of cookies currently, also full of like delicious fajitas. I guess what I'm saying is that the only thing I have to look forward to is food right now. So <laughs> that's absolutely okay. And where many people are. Like Yesterday, the only thing there is to look forward to is food. Yeah. That's it. Yesterday, I had the idea that we should make. So Amber, of course, is baking a ton and has been making pizza dough regularly. And I was like, we should make a caramelized onion and feta pizza. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. And so now what I'm looking forward mm. to is the day that we make the caramelized onion and feta pizza. Mm. Yeah, that sounds that sounds excellent. Okay. How are you coping? Uh, you know, I similarly Patrice, I feel like this week is better than last week. Um I <laughs> I'm coping by enrolling auditing in uh some online classes. Auditing some online classes. That's how I'm coping. Because I'm a nerd just to to the very core of my being. And uh, wow, the first time I like logged in and clicked start on the introductory lecture video and I saw this like grand lecture hall with all of these like bright young faces, I was like, oh, home. This is very exciting. Um, so I'm taking a, a sort of moral and political philosophy class called Justice by Michael J. Sandel. And it's actually like a really famous course at Harvard. Mm. And he's offered an online format before. And I'm just a few, I think I'm on the fourth lecture. 
but it's been really engaging and I've been kind of exploring moral philosophy on my own, uh, on and off for my whole life, but then really intensely, uh, during and after the good place. Yeah, I was about to say because of the good place. So awesome. Because I am extreme, I super over-identify with Chidi. Actually, watching Chidi was sometimes really, really painful. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, that, that that constant stomach ache. I hear you, guy. Uh, and so then I enrolled in another class called the Ar- Architectural Imagination. And uh, it's kind of a history of architectural concepts and ideas and famous uh, buildings uh-uh. and uh, I'm really excited about it because I've often considered going back to school for architecture and have talked myself out of it every single time because I feel like my math is not strong enough to go back to school for architecture mm. but I read like I read a lot some of my very favorite books are on architecture and uh, city planning and stuff like that. I should so connect you with my friend Joe, cool. who is an architect and loves to fucking ah, yes. chat about architecture and talk people off. I would love Such to, an architecture nerd. I would like love to just ask him about his yeah. job. Like, just tell me, like, tell me about your job. Like, I understand that architecture is not like the super glamorous job um, on the daily, but I still think it's just a really fascinating and and important pursuit so anyway yeah that's that's kind of how I'm coping I'm like doing that and I'm also sort of distilling my philosophical meanderings into a kind of book club that my roommate and a friend and I are doing Mm -hmm. and so we have our first uh lecture on Friday and so I've been working on my powerpoint um (laughs) that's how I'm coping by regressing to college. <laughs> eh, there are worst way worse ways to cope. Not gonna fault yeah, you for that. Yeah. Honestly. And we're also coping by continuing to watch Grey's Anatomy and record the show. Correct. This is the highlight of <laughs> my week usually. A little time with <laughs> okay. Teresa. This episode. Yeah, let's get into let's get it. Into it. Uh, do you want to set me up to do the rounds? I do. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so this week we've still got Harold O'Malley, who's recovering from his broken clavicle and his valve replacement. He's got esophageal and stomach cancer. Then we've got Heather Douglas, who has Vader syndrome, which stands for vertebrae, anus, trachea, esophagus, and renal. If it affects all of that crap. Uh, then we've got Preston Xavier Burke. He had surgery sometime last week. We don't know when for his trimmer. And then Laura Gray Thompson, the little baby. She's got some shit going on with her. I don't remember what. Good job. That was really good. Oh, that was really good. thanks. And I decided to be kind like Megan was last week. And you, give you a were. Countdown. Megan reminded us how to be human beings last week. <laughs> she really did. Oh, man. I've forgotten so much already. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you I reminded think, us of. I think we should do an entire ASMR episode. Like, we just talk like this. A lot of whispering and just like mouth clicking and talking very softly. And on this episode, we're going crazy. 
And we just lost three of our seven listeners. <laughs> Have you ever had trouble sleeping next to a partner like in this opening? Yes. All the time. I liked that you asked that right off the top. It's a good opening. Yeah. It's so adorable. Oh, I think I it's adorable. Think it you think a, Derek's no. a creep. I don't like it. If I woke up to someone fucking staring at me while I was sleeping, I'd be like, please get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> okay. That's maybe not cute. I can see. I can I'd be like, what the that. fuck are you doing? Like, why Why would you lay in bed next to me staring at me? Why wouldn't you just get up out of the bed and, like, go do something else? Anything else? I am a person who... I I never fall asleep before my partner. That has maybe never happened. Um and so I'm I'm ashamed to say, but like when I crawl into bed, I do like to look over the visage of my sleeping partner. I hate you. I just like appreciate <laughs> it for a minute. I'm just like, oh look. You're I so guess so the only people I've ever looked at sleeping are children because they're adorable and cute and usually because I was putting them down for a nap. <laughs> yeah. But you don't like you don't like take a minute or two to just like gaze at the sleeping form of your beloved. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I like, I, I, if, if you're a person that I love, I like to, to just like see you to like, see you sleep. I think that's nice. I think it looks nice. Okay. Teresa, (laughs) tell me where you keep your skin suit. In a cool, dark space, obviously. Oh, duh. Um, so you asked, have I ever had trouble sleeping uh, with a partner? And that would be, Patrice, all of them, because I have insomnia <laughs> um, and have suffered from insomnia since I was a kid, actually, on and off. Um, and uh, it's terrible. So, so sleep is actually like a really precarious thing for me. Mm. But I will say that once I'm a, once I am asleep, I'm typically like I'm I'm out. Like you you cannot wake me. Uh. I will sleep through literally anything. Um, typically, but yeah, I've, I've had a lot of problems. I actually really struggled to sleep next to a person because. Um, I get very anxious about them hearing like my body for whatever reason. So hearing I've never like your body. Yeah. Like hearing my stomach or like hearing my breathing. Mm. Like I just feel really uncomfortable with it. And I also don't really like the sensation of like the idea of being asleep. If another person is awake, that's something that I like mm. can't. I can't really deal with because I'm just like, I'm defenseless. (laughs) Like, like I just, it's not, it's not for me. That's not how I choose to live my life. I see. I see. What about you? So I have no trouble falling asleep. That's like very easy for me. I could fall asleep. Go fuck yourself. At the drop Um, of a hat. Please continue. 
Wow. But I have trouble staying asleep. I wake up to a lot of different noises. Um, I'm very light sensitive when I sleep. So if I I could be dead fucking asleep and someone could turn on a light and I would be immediately awake. Wow. Really? Um, Yep. I'm really sensitive to like people like moving around around me. So like if I'm sleeping next to someone and they get up out of the bed, I'm immediately awake. Uh, so yeah, I'm very light sensitive. I'm very sound sensitive. So if like someone is like making noise or doing anything next to me, like I'm fucking awake and then I'm up for a while and it takes me a while to get back to sleep. Um, and so I've had trouble staying asleep next to partners because I've had multiple partners who were like very intense snorers or people who like fell asleep after me and then we're like doing things around or in bed or people who get up in the middle of the night uh falling asleep not a problem staying asleep major problem so major problem i'm yeah. often awake at 2 30 to 4 o'clock in the morning yeah i mean i am too but because those are like my power hours <laughs> <laughs> So I guess we can both kind of sympathize with Derek a little bit in this opening because he can't fall asleep, can't stay asleep, which we find out later is due to the fact that Meredith snores. (laughs) Right. But I was, she doesn't even snore very loudly. No, she doesn't. It's like the softest, cutest snore. (laughs) Of course it is. He must be the lightest sleeper in the world. Um, he, I really love how he handles the snoring with Meredith. Like, he's so delicate about it. And it's, it's precious to me. They're really cute. Meredith and Derek are really cute in this episode. Sure. (laughs) You're not having it. You're not having it. Why not, Patrice? I feel like on this rewatch of Grey's I feel so anti-Mare Dare wow yeah wow I'm just like not going in for their love story at all like everything (gasps) that Derek does I'm just like wow he's fucking terrible and I don't understand you wound me with this Patrice I'm sorry what does he do that's terrible in this episode in this particular episode, nothing, because his only storyline is literally, like, he can't sleep because Meredith snores. But <laughs> otherwise, I just, like, I'm so annoyed. And maybe it's just 2020 Patrice being just so over any fucking men. man, but specifically mm. white, rich men. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's that. Maybe it's my 2020 lens, but I just like cannot see them as OTP and it just annoys me every single time. Yeah. I get it. There are moments certainly where 2020 me creeps in and is just like why men? That's the whole question, just why <laughs> <laughs> why men at all ever. Um but god damn it, he he sparkles his fucking eyes and his hair is so great and eh. he looks at Meredith with so much love eh. at so many points in this episode eh. and I'm melted by eh. it. I'm melted. When they have their little pillow fight, I'm like, Meh. okay, okay. Meh. 
I love you. Eh. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Let's talk about another relationship. Yeah, let's you hate, get into shall we? it. <laughs> Should we talk about Burke? If we must, Preston yeah. Xavier Burke, suffering oh, from stupidity and also recovering from a surgery on his hand for that tremor that he hid forever. That he inexplicably didn't tell anybody about. <laughs> and then now he's mad <clears throat> at Christina for some yeah. reason that no one knows. This storyline, this episode is... So childish. So basically what's happened is Burke has come out of surgery. Derek, you know, he finally agrees at the end of last episode to uh, have Derek operate. I like that. I thank God they don't put us through like Burke's actual surgery. It's just an off-screen surgery. Thank God. Um, And Christina really wants to know how Burke is doing, but they haven't spoken since he shut the door of their bedroom in her face two episodes ago. They have not been talking. They've been giving each other the silent treatment. She really wants to know how his recovery is going. She can't bring herself to ask him. Burke uh, knows this and is playing the very same game of like, well, I'm not going to break first. And Christina's like, well, I'm not going to break first. And everyone around them is definitely looking at them like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And They're so fucking so. confused about <laughs> what is even going on. <laughs> no one can understand what they're talking about or who's winning whatever fucking fight they're having. Yeah. Which, like, basically Marif- they're like, we don't want to communicate with each yeah. other. Can yeah. this relationship just be done? Yeah. How can these two people not recognize that this is fucked up when Meredith asks Christina talk to him no because then he wins wins what wins what they they both need to sit with that what what do you get if you win this game I there's can it really be a victory if there's no reward (laughs) right and then Burke's whole like what's happening is basically Say uncle, like terrible. What part Which is of, a terrible what part game? Of this communication or relationship is the other person twisting your arm behind your back and so badly that it hurts. And if that's how you feel about this relationship, you probably shouldn't be in it. And yeah. I like I super loved in your notes, Teresa. Um, you said, oh. George goes in to talk to Burke and asks about his hand. And Burke says, I will tell you, but I don't want you to tell Christina, basically. And George says, You two have a strange relationship. Yes, we do. And in your notes, Teresa, you said, I think he means you two have a toxic relationship. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, he was being polite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just like, I... It's hard for me now watching this show, and I can't remember even what I thought about it on the first, second, third, fourth, tenth (laughs) rewatch. But just their relationship makes no sense. And it doesn't it doesn't make sense that they are still sort of holding on to each other in any sort of way, even if they felt 
that like maybe the other person was a security blanket, but not really. They don't need each other in that way. And they, they're, the, the show has not provided any sort of character development to lead us to believe that either of them is weak or codependent in the way where they would hang on to a relationship that wasn't serving them. Um, but maybe, I mean, maybe just like the bottom line is that Christina, both Christina and Burke are toxic people in a toxic relationship. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's baffling to me. It's 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 nice to f- see the bafflement. <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> it's nice to see the people around them respond with the same kind of like, what the fuck are you talking about? That viewers have been experiencing for, I don't know, a season and a half at this point. Like the there's a scene where Addison checks in with Burke, which... <laughs> Is a little bit weird because I feel like this is maybe the first time they've ever talked, but that's not right. It's sort that's of neither here nor there. Like they have some sort of like friendship <laughs> that we don't know about, which it's I guess very they weird. could because they I work guess. together. And Derek and Burke are sort of friends. But why did it take this long for Addison and Burke to get a scene together? Anyway, um, Addison's, you know calls Burke's attention to basically what you just said, Patrice, that this this idea that they're playing uncle is really unhealthy. I see. So you are not saying uncle. Yes. And neither is she. It seems that way. That's pathetic. <clears throat> you might be right. I am right. If you say something wrong, then you apologize. No, I didn't do anything wrong. Did she? She gives very adult advice, which is you two need to communicate. You need to take ownership of whatever it is that's happened. And Burke says out loud, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, (laughs) What? What is that? What is that, Patrice? What the fuck? Are we supposed to like this character at all at this point in the show? Is this... I don't understand. No. I have no rooting interest in this man. He is the worst. I didn't do anything wrong. What the fuck? It's, uh... Yep. Yep. Oh, God, it's terrible. We do get a scene with Nurse Olivia, though. Yeah, one scene where she's not <laughs> hiding the fact that she's stooping for Christina very well. Sarah Utterback, come on the show. She ha- she she never has responded when I have explicitly tagged her in various things. <laughs> but my dream of one day interviewing Sarah Utterback uh, remains. I keep I keep that dream. I believe in you, just like my dream <laughs> of marrying. <laughs> Brooke Smith. Brooke Smith. Could yeah. happen. Yeah. She didn't respond when I tagged her either. Yeah, but, I know. It's fine. Uh, don't worry. I'll keep doing it. I'll keep it up. I'm here for you. <laughs> and for Brooke. Uh, but I like the scene when Olivia tries to get information from Burke, but Burke immediately susses out that uh, Christina has sent her on this mission. And there's just, there's a moment where you see like the light in Olivia's eyes go out. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's it's very endearing. She's, She's like, a very oh, endearing I've been character. caught. I've She's been like, caught. abort. <laughs> oh, fuck. Abort. I've been caught. Yeah. Uh, I'm, that's really all I have to say about that's them. That's it, they're, right? They're yeah. kind yeah. of a small part of the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about um, Heather or Laura? Oh, Let's let's talk quickly about Harold O'Malley, I think, okay. because there's a little bit of a connection to Burke there too, sort of. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, because uh, George is doesn't really make any sense why, but um, yeah, all of a sudden George is treating Burke like he's his friend again and not like his mortal enemy. And also, like he was on the surgery, which he wasn't on any of Harold's surgeries. Like, why aren't you talking to the chief? Or to Bailey or to Han. Like, why are you going to Burke? Burke has nothing to do with your father's case. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. I mean, I think the idea is supposed to be that, like, George and Burke have this really great friendship and George trusts Burke's opinion. Um, I guess he's consulting about, like, how his heart is doing, but, like, it doesn't make sense that he would be consulting about anything with the esophageal or stomach cancer. Um, But considering that just a few episodes ago, George was so mad at Christina and Burke, it doesn't really make sense that they're back in, um, like back in a friendship mode. But maybe it has to do with the fact that Burke did that whole like narrating his father's surgery thing. So maybe they're good now. I don't know. I guess I still just think like maybe ask one of the surgeons <laughs> like you have full access to the people who actually did the surgeries and are monitoring your father's pro- progress. I don't mm-hmm. really see what you're bugging Burke for. It's weird, but well, I it's think also that- very funny that Burke consoles George in the least comforting way imaginable, which is basically he's, George is like, I don't know, this surgery has a 50 50- has a 50-50 morbidity rate or whatever, and Burke is like... Well, that statistic, it means 50% of the people who undergo the surgery survive. If you're going to hang your hat on statistics, then you have to look at them from both sides. You know, the thing about statistics is you got to look at both sides. It's like, it's like Burke, this man finished medical school. He was awarded a medical internship. I think he understands basics. No, no, no. (laughs) No, no, no. 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 Hilarious. No, no, no. (laughs) Hilarious. We've all, we all know that George is a dummy. Um... Well, I, I mean, I think he's suppo- it's supposed to be sort of, like, uplifting. Like, don't be such a pessimist, George. Um, it doesn't come off that way. I also think, like, I think it's, I believe it's in this episode, George, or maybe it's in the last episode, George, I think, talks to Bailey and says, like, it's in this episode. He says, like, usually we sugarcoat it for patients' families and I want you to be real with me. And so, like, maybe he is talking to Burke because Burke is not on this case and he'll give him, like, a real straightforward opinion about what's happening with his dad. Yeah, Um, maybe. So so that's one way to look at it. (laughs) All right, fine. (laughs) 
I'll allow it. Okay, sure. <laughs> so Harold's. Yeah, nothing's Ugh. really happening with him in this. Like the whole family is there. It's very annoying. Except just... that he goes behind everyone. He doesn't consult with anyone in his family. He he seeks out his surgeons and is like, I don't care what it takes. Cut out every last piece of me. Basically gut me. Despite the fact that that goes against best medical practice. Go ahead and gut me. Don't uh, open me up, see that the cancer has spread, and then close me back up to live for another six months. Like, don't do that to my family. Right. But the, we get no evidence, and it seems pretty clear, that Harold has not talked to anyone in his family. He's like, don't do this to my wife, but pretty clearly has not consulted his wife about what kind of measures he would like taken in this surgery. The entire thing is so confusing. I just was like, how do I need someone to explain to me how hospitals work, maybe? Because is this even a thing that one can do? Well, I mean, like, that part (laughs) isn't confusing on, like, how hospitals work piece like he is allowed as the patient as a fully grown adult to go to his medical providers because he is of sound mind and say like this is what I want without talking to his wife about the emotional piece of it which she would say like no like close him up and let let's you know do the what will get him the most time with us instead of you know killing him maybe on the table or within a few days um, and so I feel like that part is his right. The confusing mm-hmm, part mm-hmm. for me is that he's requesting something that goes against his surgeon's own medical recommendations, which I suppose that... And, and we, like their even, oath, right? Well, I mean, I don't know if it goes against their oath because like it's not like they're choosing to do harm a patient has asked them for something and this has come up several times in Grey's Anatomy it's like a whole you know Eugene McFoot (laughs) situation (laughs) like oh R.I.P. McFoot I know just like can patients request procedures or surgeries or that doctors take extreme measures that go against medical advice or what they know to be standard care practices. Um, And obviously, neither of us are medical professionals, so we don't really know. Um, That, yeah, that's that's kind of always been my question in Grey's is that when when patients ask for extraordinary measures, like, would a doctor actually act in that way to do something that they know, theoretically know, because you don't ever really know, would you know, basically kill them or shorten their lives or uh, not give them the best chance of survival. Yeah. I think what's like astonishing to me about it is that it, it's, it seems as though it's just kind of a verbal contract. Like we don't see him sign anything. There's no paper trail. That's, that's what I'm very confused about is like, I don't think this is how American hospitals work. There's a paper trail for fucking anything and everything in a hospital or you're going to get sued. And I'm just like, it doesn't make any sense for the surgeons at Seattle Grace 
to take Harold O'Malley at his word and open him up and do this thing that he said he wanted, but there's absolutely no documentation that those were his wishes. So they're putting themselves in the exact same position that Addison put herself into with that woman who wanted her tubes closed uh, when she went in to like do a C-section or whatever. And Addison didn't have any documentation. She didn't have a paper trail for that. And so she had to take the L. And it's like, I don't, <laughs> this doesn't make sense to me why the chief of the hospital, of the surgical department, chief of surgery, would co-sign this by not co-signing anything actively make on a sheet of paper. in this case that they maybe had him sign some like, uh AMA paperwork or something like that um just like they don't put that into grace because that's the boring shit that we don't want to see I don't know this seemed very like back alley to me (laughs) I was I was not impressed I was really confused and Harold is as dumb as his kid that's what I have to say about that wow yeah yeah you (laughs) all right well you Harold O'Malley. <laughs> we do get a nice scene with Harold and George. Yes. I guess it's a nice scene where Harold sure. is like, I ran over your dog. <laughs> yep. And I your lied to you dog. about it a long time ago. And I asked the questions. Did you did. Did ever lie to you about anything like that? I mean... I, I don't think so. I can't think of an instance that my parents in like, you know, now have come back and been like, yeah, we just, we just told you that to make you feel better. (laughs) I think the, probably the key here is that like parents of color don't lie about shit. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, listen, here's the truth. Your animal fucking died. I ran it over. We'll get a new one. Suck it up. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think there's some truth to that. I was like, my mom was just my mom is who I'm thinking of when I'm thinking about this question. And I can't imagine her ever lying to me to make me feel better. (laughs) Not not because she's, you know, a cold and unfeeling person, but because that would go against her very nature. And like, (laughs) I, I just I can't see it. Same. <laughs> good, good. Man, I wish we had Megan to to ask. Yeah, if, yeah. Like, what, you know, what, what did, did Sandy do, do back in the day? Did she ever lie to? Did Sandy ever lie to you about a pet? <laughs> we'll check back on that. Um, Is there anything else we want to talk about with uh, Harold in the O'Malley's? I, I don't think so. I think that brings us probably to the most interesting thing happening in the yeah. episode, which is he- Heather Douglas's case. Um, and she has Vader syndrome. She has like severe scoliosis and a whole host of other things. Um, and Izzy is assigned to her case or is on her case. Yeah. Still without privileges to do anything because she has not been cleared by her therapist because she still won't cash that fucking $8.7 million check. It's a low bar that her therapist has set. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) 
But I did, I did make the point um, in defense of Izzy. If someone gives me, if someone were to give me a physical check today, and okay, not today because we're in a pandemic and we're all in quarantine and I couldn't go to a bank if I wanted to. But let's say that this was six months ago and someone right, gave and me a physical check. Can't mobile deposited. I, I know, I know. But I'm saying like if someone gave me a physical check six months ago and there was no mobile deposit. I, you know, it would take me a long time to deposit it. A long time to deposit it. Same. I just out of laziness. Um, unfortunately, Izzy isn't not depositing this check out of laziness. That would be understandable. She is not depositing it, depositing it because she's a crazy person. And that's different. That's a different problem. <laughs> a crazy person still dealing with her fiance, quote unquote, dropping dead. Oh, my God. Her characterization of Denny's death is just warped. <laughs> well, my fiance dropped dead two months ago or whatever she said. And this is why the therapist won't clear her for surgery. Because <laughs> she's delusional. It's crazy. It's, it's, utter, it's utter madness. It does lead to some great payoff, though. Uh, comedic payoff when she actually goes to the bank. Yes. And just melts down. And this poor bank teller is just like, I don't know what I did to deserve this today. What do you want me to do with this check stained with multiple food items? (laughs) Uh, So Heather Douglas, Vader Syndrome. Um, She, I can't remember what the initial surgery is that she's in for. I feel like they're just trying They were going to remove a rib. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. To um, alleviate um, pressure on like a kidney or something. And that would help to resolve her kidney stones. Something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They were maybe removing kidney stones and a rib. Something like and that. And a rib. Yeah. Yeah. So Izzy is on this case. Callie has come in because she's going to be removing the rib. Uh, Heather Douglas is played by Mae Whitman, who I love. Um, Oh, she's so great. I know. Did you watch (laughs) Parenthood? No. Okay, not all the way through. Okay. I didn't watch it all the way through either. But I have seen seen episodes. Yeah. I can't feel that much about TV. It's too hard. Um, (laughs) Says the person... On a recap show about Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yeah, but Parenthood is like sure, next level like feelings during TV. It's like one step below This Is Us, which is like way too much. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Mae Whitman plays a teenager uh, who is bent at a 90 degree angle because of various things having to do with that Vader uh, syndrome. Um, and what they think is going to be something routine to just relieve some of the pressure that she has. Uh, Callie thinks like, oh my God, this is fucking gnarly. I can help her. And I think I need Derek to help me do it. Yeah. And hence the weird (laughs) stare downs. Yes. And I think maybe your quote of the week, which we'll get to later from Bailey about who Derek is and how to get him to do things. Oh my God. It's so good. (laughs) 
So I so so the the whole thing is that um she goes to Bailey and is like I need I need Derek's help on this and and Bailey's like you just got to you got to stare him down. And Callie's like what are you talking about? And so Bailey demonstrates for her just like intense sustained eye contact. And so Callie like psychs herself up to go and do this to Derek and she looks like she looks insane while she's doing it. Yeah, I will say that <laughs> Bailey's stare is intimidating whereas Callie's yes. stare just looks like Unhinged. she's lost her fucking mind. Yes, yes. But it works on Derek who is finally like, fine, I'll drop by at whatever time for a <laughs> consult. Um, but it, it led me to ask, what is like your weakness? So I love that for Derek, it's like, sustained eye contact from a woman potentially because he has five sisters (laughs) and a mom and his dad died when he was young so like i actually really get it derek i i feel you i see you um what is like a weakness for you like what is something that someone can do and Mm. and you'll change your mind and and or you'll at least think about it unnerve me yeah Ooh. Maybe like a continued barrage of questions. Like I'm an internal processor and it usually takes me a while to like think things through. But if someone is just like continuing, like if they're like, oh, what do you feel about this? And I just sort of answer shortly and they continue with questioning it. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) So continual questioning. Wow. Maybe. Yeah. I also don't uh, so that respond might lead well you to, to people staring at me. So maybe the stare down <laughs> would work as well. I mean, does anyone respond particularly well to being stared at? I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. What about you? Um, I mean, I would say that I respond like pretty poorly to tears. Like I wish that I had a stronger mm. defense against tears. But, like, if you're a woman and you're, like, you start crying in front of me, I'm just to get out of the situation probably going to be like, "Um, it's fine. Never mind. I just, I really, like, lose track of myself when someone's crying. Like, I don't cry in front of people. So if someone is crying in front of me, I'm like, I just have a very, like, freeze response of, like, I don't, okay, this is the turn. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd say tears are pretty successful on me. That makes sense. So, Callie approaches Derek to come and consult on a very rare surgery to improve Heather Douglas's life. Um, And they get her to agree with it, um, even though her mom's freaking out about it. Uh, And that's basically it. I mean, we're going to get the the results. Well, no. What? what, what, What did I forget? The the big thing is that insurance won't cover it. Oh, right, 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 right. But we still so, don't get the we don't still we don't get the results of that now. Yeah. So that's the cliffhanger for Heather Douglas is that we're left the mom is super frantic as she is uh 
talking on the phone with the insurance people and, you know, she swears at them and... I forget which attending comes across her or intern or whatever. And then we see, you know. Well, it's Bailey uh, and, and Izzy who and find Izzy. her yelling. And this yeah. is after ba- after Izzy has deposited the check because yep. Bailey has told her repeatedly that it's not reasonable <laughs> and she could be making. Bailey's explained interest and in yes, how that works. She could be making <laughs> so much money per minute. And that she just needs to deposit it, especially if she wants to get in on this groundbreaking fucking surgery that Derek and Callie are about to do. I think we can guess what's going to happen. I think we know. I think we know what's coming, listener. But we won't spoil it just in case. (laughs) (laughs) So then that leaves us with Laura, baby Laura Thompson. Right. I almost forgot about her because she's so tiny. I know. And when, you know, because for each uh, case, we put the person's name and then what's what's up with them. And I almost put underbaked, but was like, you were born too soon. Maybe not. okay. so born too soon. (sighs) Um, But that is I mean, that really sums it up. She she came out too early. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She needed more time to cook in the last episode. Which means that in this episode, because, because her mother and where's Susan? I don't know. Anyway, her mother has the flu, so she cannot come and visit her premature baby. And so Thatcher is fucking there. And oh my God. Like, I've shut down Patrice. <laughs> It's actually kind of funny. What is this actor's name? Because he's also in Scandal. And it's, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, fuck. That's right. It's really weird to see him in this role and also see him in um, the Scandal role as Cyrus Bean because he's so direct and not bumbling as Cyrus in... Jeff Perry. Jeff Perry. There we go. As Cyrus in Scandal. And in this role, I just want to fucking cut out his tongue. <laughs> yep. He's so terrible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh wow i uh i don't need to get into all of the feelings that i have about thatcher in general or thatcher in this episode but the idea like just take a minute and imagine that you're in your workplace just your place of work minding your own fucking business doing your job which is a pretty hard job pretty intense job and, like, your estranged father just, like, keeps running into you in the halls of your workplace. <laughs> and trying to talk to you like you're not fucking no. at work. No. Oh, it's it's so bad. And there's a moment where Thatcher is cooing over baby Laura. And Meredith is um, watching from a distance. And it is... Uh, it's actually hmm, rewatching this as an adult. That's maybe one of the more painful scenes involving Meredith that we get. It's mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking. It's really hard to watch, and it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We're two I mean, people. it's probably especially heartbreaking as two people who are straight from their fathers. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just like two people sitting here being like, woof. 
Yeah, and having so much animosity towards this man. <laughs> but just, you know, just watching him coo and be so excited over this, over his fucking granddaughter and, and, and knowing, you know, just the absolute absence, the void that he's been in Meredith's life is... Um, yeah, I think anyone who has sort of watched a parent do that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, when you have that sort of relationship with them, is just like, <laughs> well, just just shoot me in the face that's fine um what am i fucking chopped liver (laughs) yeah i guess guess wow guess i was really just not that exciting um but the there's later later in the episode two we get some real bullshit from the chief who's trying to get meredith to update Thatcher. And you said in your notes, nobody should update Thatcher. (laughs) You know, like, which, yes, absolutely. Like, it's fuck Thatcher all day, every day. But the chief is so far out of line in this request, in this request to Meredith. Um, First of all, because Meredith, again, shouldn't be on this case. She never should have been on this case. And for the chief to not recognize that and immediately take her off of the case. Well, she's not on the case in this episode is the thing. bad enough. She, in this episode, she is not on this case. Oh. She's just watching from the gallery to see what happens. And and gotcha. previously when she was That's watching right, Thatcher. Alex is on the case. Right. So. Watching Thatcher coup, she was mm. just sort of like looking in on the baby to see what was happening because she is a curious person yeah. about people who are semi her family. Yeah. Um, and so it just feels like totally out of line and emotionally weird that both <sighs> the chief and Meredith are watching from the gallery. And he says like, you should update Thatcher. And I'm like, mm, what? And then Meredith does a good job of like, Meredith just says like, I don't think he's, you know, Meredith's basically like, you do it. Maybe you can give him an update. He's not a big fan of mine. He's not a big fan of mine either. And I mean, he is the fucking chief, so he could do it. And the chief just dismisses what she said and is like, well, I don't think that's true. And I'm just like, here's a thought. I have an idea for people. When someone tells you how they feel accept that that's how they feel instead of saying to them no that's not right (laughs) just take a minute think about saying that and then don't fucking say it it's an option i think Um, i mean i think i see where the chief is coming from he's trying to say like what you think about thatcher is not all right because ellis was a force to be reckoned with and if she didn't want thatcher in your life he wouldn't have been in your life. Yes. And the chief has absolutely no business talking to Meredith about this. No, of course not. Especially since Meredith doesn't even know at this point all of yep. the things that all of transpire. the things. That's exactly right. And furthermore, you know, like I just Meredith Meredith kind of reads him to filth when she mentions like I think he tried to send me a card every year and my mother has a whole drawer full of unopened cards. Because it's not often that my life turns out that way. I don't know. You don't know either until you ask. Because that's that's what that's what she gets at, right? She's like, "Yes, my my mother was a force to be reckoned with, and that's true. But this is a whole man who could have reached out, and there were ways to reach out. And I'm telling you, 
I have no evidence in my possession of those attempts. Mm -hmm. You know? And I'm just like, listen to her. Just fucking, just, just listen to her. You started this conversation. So like, have it then. And like, let her just talk it out and then go do your job because you're the chief and she's not on this case. Oh, it's so gross. (sighs) The only redeeming thing about this case is that Addison Mm. and Alex Mm. are on it together. Mm. Oh my fucking God. When they almost kiss Patrice, (laughs) it was better than if they did kiss. (laughs) Yeah, it even got me. It even got me. I was like... I seriously... I didn't see it before where you were sort of shipping them and saying like, yeah, it's hot. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I see it. I got it. It's a little hot. (laughs) Just a little, a little bit. Just a little May-December relationship. Yeah, I love it. Nothing, it doesn't have to be anything serious. Does that bring us to this week's M&M? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Great. Teardrop ranking. Dry eyes. <laughs> oh, I don't even have to put in the clipping. Thanks. For the time. You're welcome. You're welcome. There's nothing particularly sad, but we no. both know it's because there are many things to come. Oh, the sad is coming. <laughs> um, what about the on-call room? Literally take off your pants. That's, I mean, what we were just talking about. Correct. Yes. That's the only sexy part. There's a moment when uh, they're they're in surgery. This is also kind of sexy, but I'm a freak, so that's fine. But there's a moment where uh, Karev, I think he's talking about the like baby's heart or something. And he's like, ah, I don't know. Like, it's so small. I'm just afraid I'd, I'd hurt it. And Addison's like, you know, it's stronger than you would think. Like, you can give it a little squeeze if you want. And and Karev gives, like, the purest, cool, thanks. Cool. <laughs> it's so cute and it's so hot. And he, like, he does his little squeeze and then, like, looks up at Addison. And I'm just like, I'm so about this. I'm about the age difference. I'm about mm-hmm. their shared passion for pediatric surgery. Like, Yes, 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 yes. I'm about this long game that I didn't see previously where they're making Alex into a great pediatrics. Story. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that development. Uh, song um, of the week? Song of the week. For me, was uh, Travis, Love Will Come Through. Um, love some Travis. Who uh, is Travis? He's just like this indie rock dude. He had, what was his album? The Big Chair or something? I don't know. I, or maybe it was a picture of him in a big chair on the album. He's like a sad indie rock guy from the early 2000s. Sad okay. white indie rock guy. Okay. Okay. Um, And also Travis was the music for the most useless montage, <laughs> which we talked about at the top of this episode. Just so terrible. Just blinking. What a waste of time. It was basically just a Travis music video. <laughs> it was terrible. What about you? Song of the week. Uh, none of those songs really got me. I feel like I I didn't note any of them. And it took me having to listen or having to look at the Grey's Wiki to even realize that there was music <laughs> in this episode. So Yeah, that was me last episode. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, death tally. Nobody yet. Yet. So no saddest death. <laughs> who was? What about uh, 007? Yeah, who was 007 for you? I said everyone was good this week. Yeah. Pretty much. There was no bad what? doctoring. Um, yeah. I sort of said that you could make, we didn't talk about Sloan at all, but like you could make the assumption that maybe Sloan was a worse doctor today because he was being a pissy little bitch. Right. But he but was really I no chose different instead, than any other day. Yeah. I chose instead to make him my Karev of the week hey. because he was just an asshole at every turn. Even more so than usual because, you know, I don't know. They keep they keep hinting at like not this week, you know, like something bad happened this week at a year ago or something. Yeah. Um, and it does set up like the sexy moment between Addison and Sloane where or and between Karev. Addison and Karev, you know, where Addison is like, why'd you stand up to Sloane like that? And standing up to Sloane was like deliberately messing up his coffee order. And Karev's like, because he was rude to you. Like, Ooh, low bar, but hot. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I think I remember why Sloane is particularly a dick in this episode, and we'll talk about it next episode in part two. But I'm going to tell you right now, not an excuse. <laughs> not good <laughs> enough. Not good enough. No Steamy. Uh, for my career of the week, I said that Burke and Christina are in a tie <laughs> yes. for being the worst and least communicative people <laughs> alive. Extremely solid picks. <laughs> uh, chief Chief Resident. Um, I was impressed by Callie. Her crazy eyes aside, she put in. I mean, she advocates on behalf of Heather, and um, although it's an experimental surgery, she has like pretty good grounds for why she thinks Heather would be, mm. um, why it would be a good option for Heather, and she she does a good job of asking for help and getting the approval that she needs and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Kelly, very valid. I gave chief resident to Addison for actually teaching in this teaching hospital. <laughs> She's doing it. Addison's pretty Addison might be the best teaching doctor out of all of the attendings. I would agree. She's got like no huge ego even though she's Mm-mm. like the premier fucking neonatal surgeon <laughs> right? in the goddamn country. Mm-hmm. Um and is actually interested in teaching people about her specialty yeah. instead of like making yeah. them do fucking grunt work. Yeah. It's especially frustrating then that she gets shunted off to the spinoff, which I'm sure was like a victory for Kate Walsh at the time. But it's like, wow, private practice was a waste of everybody's time. And it would have been way more fun if Addison stayed at Seattle Grace. Correct. (laughs) Line of the week? Uh, I gave my line of the week to Mae Whitman, who played uh, Heather. Um when they approach Heather and her mother about the experimental surgery and Heather wants to do it and her mother is not sure. And she says, you know, like, I know that you think that, uh, oh, because they give what the kind of like cons are of the surgery and the cons are death. Yes, yeah. And uh, she says, Mom, I know you still think death is the worst thing that can happen to a person. Death is not the worst thing. Basically saying, like, my life is a living hell. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a strong line for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I have a line of the week and a worse line of the week. My line of the week is Bailey's description of Derek, which is hilarious. Callie asks, um, like, what do you know about Derek Shepard? And um, Bailey really nails him. It's good. It's good. You know Shepard pretty well, yeah? Lots of hair, too many women, like elevators and long walks on the beach. My worst line of the week... (laughs) Is Karev, Karev fucks up Sloane's coffee order. And Sloane, as previously discussed, is being a little bitch this episode. And he says to Karev... You can't handle coffee, you can't handle plastics. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what are you... My dude, what are you talking about? I think he's what? supposed to be equating, like, attention to detail to yes, plastics. Yes, I know like... he is. But I just want to be like... I. Take just stop. Take it down. And hear yourself. Hear what you just said and what an insane sentence that was. And then reconsider it and try this scene over again. Just take it down a notch. Yeah, yeah. Um, medical fact of the week. I don't know, Patrice, is it the same as it always is lately? Wash your fucking hands. Yep. Wear a mask when you go out to places Correct. where you're going to be around other people. It's it's for them and for you. Isn't that yeah. fun? How you can think outside of your own body and think about other people's bodies and needs and what's good for them, too? <laughs> Maybe. That's a thought. Maybe a little, a little bit. Um, and um, that's our show. That's for the week. it. That's what we. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on the social meets like uh, Twitter. Social meets. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> just keep screaming social meets. Social meets. It just reminded <laughs> me of uh, fuck. What's that? Uh, Phoebe and Jessica. Um. Two dope queens. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, I was like, (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. I got there. I got there. I got there. Okay, okay, okay. I believe in you. Please continue. I believe in you. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at uh, code underscore grays. You can find us on Instagram. Quick correction. It's code underscore grays underscore. Oh, my God. Why do we have so many underscores? You need the second underscore. A lot of things were taken. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, you can also find us on instagram at uh code grace podcast and most importantly because you're listening to this you should find us everywhere that you listen to podcasts like our wonderful hosts podbean on uh acast on stitcher on uh google play on spotify spotify apple podcasts please rate us on apple podcasts I know that you guys are probably never going to do this, but we keep asking. <laughs> Rate us. Subscribe, All you have is time. Comment. Why aren't you leaving if any of you rating us? Or, you know, if you rated and commented back in the day when it was just Megan and Teresa, do it again. Yeah. At this point. Patrice we would wants some external it. validation. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Also, you can email us. I always forget about our email. <laughs> We're totally checking it, though. <laughs> well, I'm not, but I guess Teresa is. <laughs> I am. I check it all the time, so definitely email uh, us. Yeah, Teresa, what's our email address? Codegrays at gmail.com. No underscores necessary for that one. At all. <laughs> uh, and that's it for this week. 
we'll be back. Thanks for listening. Again next week. We love you guys. Stay safe. <laughs>